If you've been with us uh, for any length of time at all, you know that we've been traveling through the book of Acts, and it's been a journey, hadn't it? I mean, almost two years that we've been walking through together, and, and we get a little closer to the end of Acts with every single week, uh, but there's just so much within this, within this book. There's so much that God has to speak to us, and, and he does so faithfully over and over and over again, and today uh, we, we're going to find him faithful once more. Now, if you're with us last week, you kind of you kind of know the, that Paul's in a little bit of a pickle, uh, a little bit of a difficult situation. He had, in an attempt, certainly, to try to um, bring peace, instead he found himself in the middle of a riot. He was falsely accused of a number of things, of being basically demeaning the law, demeaning the temple, demeaning the Jewish people, things that he'd not done. And he was also accused, and this was probably the more serious accusation, of bringing a a Gentile into the temple. That was an offense worthy of death, and the people went absolutely ballistic. They grabbed him, they beat him, and they were dragging him out of the temple, uh, likely to stone him out in the streets. And they were stopped by the Roman guards. The, the tribune, the commander, came down with, with troops and, and put an end to that. And you would think, Paul being the victim, that they'd have been looking after him. But the reality was, they put Paul in chains. They assumed that he was the start of it all. And in fact, the, the Roman commander had, uh, had kind of thought he was somebody else you know misidentified this person and so uh so he was chained and as he was taken up he was very respectful he he spoke to the the commander in in really fluent greek and he was impressed by that because he he didn't figure that this guy he thought he was some egyptian terrorist that had come in uh and so he asked for permission to speak and and through the 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 grace of God, he was given the opportunity to turn and speak to the crowd. Now, again, this commander has no idea what's going on. And so he turns and he, he's speaking to the crowd and he is telling them his story. He's giving them his testimony and it's going well. The people are hanging on every word. His, his miraculous journey is as who he was and, and how he came to encounter the resurrected Jesus on the Damascus Road and what God had done in and through him. And then he used a word that set him off. And that word was Gentiles. He said, this Jesus appeared to me while I was praying in the temple, and he told me to go to the Gentiles. And at that, the people threw a fit. So we're going to pick up. Uh, where we left off last week, we're actually going to read a couple of the verses that we're in to get a little running start, and then we're going to continue on this, this little trek together. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord God, as we open your word, we do so with a sense of anticipation. We believe that you have something you want to share to us this morning, something that is not only truth, but is a truth that can transform us a truth that can change us from the inside out, a truth that can help us see life in a different way and to respond to life in a different way. 
And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. And we tell you today that we are listening. We want to hear your voice. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in Acts chapter 22. We're going to start reading in verse 22. We'll go through verse 30 today. We'll break it up into three chunks. So let's, let's get started this morning if we, if we can. It says, up to this word. What was this word? Gentile. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and they said, away with such a fellow from the earth. For he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out exactly why they were shouting against him like this. This is quite a riot. I mean, the people... Er you got to imagine, now Paul is speaking to the people in Hebrew, which means that the, the tribune, the commander, probably could not understand what was going on. The Roman soldiers really didn't know what he was saying, but the people were calm, and that was good because the Romans liked everything calm. And so he was, he was speaking, and the people were listening, and then all of a sudden, they go nuts. And it's not that they're going nuts with applause and cheering and everything. They, they are literally throwing a fit. They're shouting at the top of their voices. They're tearing off their clothes. Rip, the, typically, they're outer garments, okay? They are throwing dust into the air. This thing has turned into a circus in a hurry. And this Roman commander has no idea why. He's got no answer so far. When he was asking, what are the accusations? It said that some people were shouting one thing and some people were shouting another. He had no idea what was going on. He had no idea why these people were acting the way they were acting. And so it says that, that he brought him, had him, him brought into the barracks. Remember, this is the Antonia Fortress, which is right there at the temple, overlooking the temple, to be brought into the barracks in order to be examined, questioned, by flogging now that's not something we typically hear flogging was basically a cruel method of both punishment and torture and it was used by the romans to get information in other words if we can if we can uh you know put enough pain on this person maybe they will give up what it is that we want to know now ff bruce in his commentary on flogging he says this he says if the instrument used was the scourge the latin flagellum that was a fearful instrument of torture consisting of and listen this is how it's made of leather thongs weighted with rough pieces of metal or bone and attached to a stout wooden handle he goes on to say, if a man did not actually die under the scourge, he might well be crippled for life. So if you can imagine this, now again, I, I don't know, I was spanked as a child. I know some of you may not have been spanked as a child. Uh, I didn't enjoy it at the time. I think it was probably, I probably deserved it at the time. But uh, I, I, you know, I didn't have anything like this. 
mean, my dad had a belt. Uh, my high school principal had a paddle, but nothing like this. A, this scourge, this, this flogging, the instrument used, uh, leather straps, that's bad enough. But within that, tied into that were pieces of metal and pieces of bone. And some people believe pieces of glass tied into this. The intent was that as the back being exposed, as the straps went across, they would not only leave whelps, they would literally dig into the skin and pull pieces of skin and muscle off. So this is not, this is not just a whipping. This is not just a beating. Many people never survived this. This is exactly what Jesus endured. And one of the reasons that Simon of Cyrene was called to carry the cross because very often, the beating itself will result in death. The blood loss from just having your back shredded. The internal organs being damaged because, again, they're ripping at your, the, your back. It's, and it's not just on your back. It, rip, it goes all the way around. It's, it is a, he calls it a, <laughs> what did F.F. Bruce say, a fearful instrument of torture? Yeah. It would be one of the things that you would least want to experience in life. Now, uh, in Philippi, if you'll remember, Paul and Silas had been beaten with rods. Well, that doesn't sound pleasant either. But being beaten with rods and this were totally different. Now, in Philippi, Paul didn't, didn't really insist on his rights. And we'll talk about that in a minute. He endured that, but this, this is different, and Paul responds to it differently. So let's see what happens beginning in verse 25. It says, but when they had stretched him out for the whips, hang on right here, let's hold that verse. When they stretched him out for the whips, what does that mean? They had tied him, there's a large post, they would have tied him around this post so that his hands were together, and the post would, would typically be leaning over a little bit instead of being straight upright. So he's kind of laying on this. And that just gives the Roman soldiers the, the best leverage to do the most damage. When they'd stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, centurion is a Roman soldier who had command over 100 soldiers, said to him, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned. And when the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and he said to him, what are you about to do for this man is a Roman citizen? So the tribune came and he said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. And the tribune answered, I bought this citizenship, my own citizenship, for a large sum. But Paul said, I am a citizen by birth. So those who are about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune was also afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Now, what are we reading here? This, this we want to spend a few minutes on these verses. So they've got, Paul is, is he's been arrested, he's been chained, and now he's been strapped to this torture device 
and the guy's just, you know, the guy's stretching. I don't know if it's like sports, you know, where he's like, okay, I got to get ready for the flogging here. I don't want to pull a muscle when I'm out here beating Paul. So it's all, get, it's, it's getting ready to go down. And so this centurion is here, and Paul, it almost seems rather casual, doesn't it? Say, hey, before you guys get started, um, is it right to flog a Roman citizen? I mean, who hasn't even been tried and, and found guilty? Is that right? And the centurion's eyes just open up because here's the deal. Had he gone through with this and Paul been a Roman citizen, then he was likely going to end up exactly where Paul was. Roman citizens had rights far beyond that of just anyone who lived in the Roman Empire. A Roman citizen had the right to a trial if he was accused of something. Other people, not so much. You could just declare them guilty and punish them. A Roman citizen was not to be flogged at all. It wasn't even to be chained until he had had due process. Roman citizens had rights. They had some privileges that not everybody else had. Now, Paul had rarely played that card, okay? But he plays it here. And he says, would it be right for you to do this if I were a Roman citizen? And, and so the centurion says, I need to take this one up the chain. I need to ch- I, hang on. Just, just stay here. Don't go anywhere. Paul's not going anywhere. He's tired. Just, just hang on. Don't do anything until I get back. He goes up. He talks to the tribune, the commander. And he, Lysias is his name. And he, he says, uh, this guy, Paul, you, we got down here. I was getting ready to beat him. And he said he's a Roman citizen or at least insinuated that. And um, this, is, this, is, uh, this is above my pay grade. So I need you to take care of this. And so Lysias comes down and he asks him, are you a Roman citizen? And Paul simply says, yes. Now, to lie about that would have been to face the death penalty just immediately. Paul would have been killed for lying about it. But he wasn't lying. But the commander's a little bit surprised. You've got to remember what Paul looks like at this point. Paul was not, according to tradition, the, the most handsome fellow anyway. But now he's been beaten. He's probably bruised up, swollen up, bloodied. He, he really doesn't look much like a Roman citizen. And yet he's claiming Roman citizenship. And the commander says, well, I too am a Roman citizen, but I had to buy my citizenship. Um, under the Emperor Claudius, uh, things, well, none of these Roman emperors were paragons of virtue, okay? But the buying of citizenship through bribery was evidently pretty rampant under Claudius as emperor. And in fact, we're going to find out later, this, this soldier Lysias, his full name was Claudius Lysias. Very likely, when he bought or bribed his way into citizenship, part of the offer was, you know, I'll, I'll take the emperor's name. My name is Lysias. That's his Greek name. Claudius is a Roman name. That was the emperor's name. 
And so he said, listen, I paid dearly to be a citizen. Paul answers, he goes, I didn't buy my citizenship. I didn't bribe my way into it. I was born into it. I was born as a citizen of Rome, which means his father or his grandfather, somewhere down the chain, they had likely done something that was favorable for the Roman government, and they had been granted citizenship. And now Paul is a natural-born Roman citizen, and for him to be treated in this way, it says that when Lysias found out about this, that he became afraid. Why? Because he was the one that had him arrested. He wasn't protecting a Roman citizen against this rabble out here, and, and it could get him in trouble. And so Paul now, it being strapped to this thing, he is, he's found out to be a Roman citizen, and that Roman citizenship was a valuable possession, and it would keep him from this potentially fatal beating that he was about to experience. But here's a problem. Lysias still didn't know what all the ruckus was about. He didn't know what the trouble was. He didn't know why this riot was taking place in the temple in the first place. He is responsible for keeping the peace. And this is what we're going to discover, if you haven't already discovered it. God called the Jewish people a stiff-necked people, meaning they were stubborn. They were a thorn in the Roman side. They were a pain to the Romans. And in fact, it's not going to be too many years after this. There's going to be a rebellion, and Rome's going to come in and destroy the temple and destroy the city walls. As a matter of fact, it's an op- we had uh, opportunity on a couple of our trips to Israel to be able to see some of the stone pavement. And some of these are huge stones, but you will look down, and some of them just, it's like a, a meteor hit it or something. And the reason for that is the Romans were, were, were forcing the, the stones off those, the walls around the temple. And they would come and they'd crash down into the stone pavement. And you still see the remains of that today. They destroyed the city because Israel was just so stubborn. So unrelenting. So immovable. Okay, and, and we find out that he, he's got to figure this thing out. He's got a problem on his hands. He's got to figure it out. So let's look on in verse 30. It says, but on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priest and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. Okay. So since Lysias couldn't get a straight answer from anybody else, he needed to know what was going on. He said, well, since the people can't tell me and since, you know, I don't know that I can necessarily believe this guy, Paul, I need to figure out what's going on. I'll have the high priest, I'll have the the ruling council, the Sanhedrin come to me. I'll, I'll command them to come. This is a little different. Paul is not appearing before them in the temple now because that would be a problem instead Paul he's the he's bringing the the high council to the to the Antonia fortress in order to find out what is going on that is the plan and 
we're going to see what happens there next week we're going to pick up here next week but let's let's hold on before we before we just put a zipper on this because there's some things here that I think are important for us to know and and the first one is this and I want you to hear this because this is true not only for Paul but this is true for us as well God's plan for Paul began long before Paul was ever born the reason Paul was able to say I'm a Roman citizen had nothing to do with anything that Paul had accomplished himself he was born into it he was born as a Roman citizen as I begin to think about this and 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 contemplate this as I look around nearly all of us who are in this room today not all but nearly all of us here have the same rights and privileges simply because we were born here there are things there are rights and privileges that that you and I have that we didn't earn I'm a citizen of the United States I never had to take a test I mean I took tests in school but I didn't take a citizenship test there were no hoops for me to jump through the only reason I'm a citizen of the United States is because I was born here I didn't have anything to do with it and even if my parents had been overseas and I'd been born there as American citizens I'd be a, I'd be a citizen of the United States and with that as you well know come lots of privileges and and responsibilities of course and rights I, I have I got the right to vote and, and I try to take advantage of that every opportunity I get to go and express my opinion at the ballot box I have that right not everybody here has that I I have the right to run for public office if I wanted to I don't want to but I I could I could run for city council I could run for county commissioner I could run for from well I actually live out of town I can't run for mayor or city council never mind I could run for county commissioner I could run for uh, governor if I wanted to I could run for can I run for dog catcher around here I don't think that's the way it works but there's there's lots of play I I have the the right at least to run for public office to put my name in the hat to be considered uh, as a public servant in that way I, I, I have a lot of rights um, and I even have some of those rights when I travel when I travel I travel with a US passport right and and that allows me uh, a certain level of, of of respect and and privilege because I belong I, I'm a citizen of the United States I get to bring that back I did nothing to get that nothing think about Paul this Roman commander says I'm a citizen because I bought it Paul said I'm a citizen because I was born into it Paul had nothing to do with it in other words God had set the table for this encounter one two maybe even three generations before Paul was ever born that's our problem we tend to think in this little window of our lives 
that what God is doing is just encapsulated in this small little time in which we live. And that is so narrow and small. It's a tiny way to think. God has been at work long before you were born. Before your parents were born. Before your grandparents were born. God's plan is huge. We think we know long-range planning. <laughs> no, 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 no. God had it all planned out from the foundation of the earth. None of this stuff is by accident. And so when we read Romans 8, 28, and it says that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that means God is using everything. God doesn't waste anything. So that means the good things that happen in my life, God uses those. The bad things that happen in my life, God uses those. The significant things God uses in my life, God, God uses those. The insignificant things, things I even overlook, God uses those. God is always at work. And Paul had a privilege he was able to utilize at a certain point in his life because of the way God had set the table all along. And here's the reality. You have rights and privileges that you may be grateful for, but you may not be using them. We, we all have a friend. We pray for, for Moses in India, right? Many of you kind of follow him and keep up with what's going on, and we have an opportunity to see occasionally some of the things that are happening in India as Moses is traveling around, planting churches, encouraging believers. He is, he is doing apostolic kind of ministry over there. It is an incredible thing, and it is a great sacrifice. You know, when I went over there, I... It wasn't the same. What I experienced there wasn't the same. You know, we, we got a taxi to go to where we were going to go, and yeah, it was a small taxi, and, and it was a crowded city and all those things. But I never, I didn't have to ride in one of those crowded train cars from one place to another. I, I didn't get caught up in all that. I had a hotel, clean hotel room to stay in. I didn't, I didn't have all that. Moses doesn't have that most of the time. Moses Moses doing without and I look at that, you know, when we were there, one of the things that happened was, and I didn't realize this until it was, until it was past, it already happened. He didn't tell me until the end. But as we were in the hotel, there was one day where we had gotten back and the police actually came to his door, knocked on his door, wanting to know who was this American that he was hanging around with, what was he doing, and they were trying to discern whether he was preaching proselytizing has that ever happened to you no or or I, I communicate with with my my pastor friend Eric in in Kenya and I get to find out what he's experiencing there where we thought COVID was a headache here it was incredibly 
destructive there and and is continuing to be in the aftermath there their economy is absolutely in shambles and he's trying to be a dad and a provider and a pastor in circumstances that are just beyond my comprehension and these are the people I know imagine the people I don't know and then I look at my life and I look at the privileges that I have the freedoms I have the rights I have as an American citizen and I ought to be grateful for those and I am but that also comes with responsibility because God has provided that for me I didn't choose to be born here I didn't choose my parents. God has provided that for me. God has paved the way. And whereas my friend Moses, he has to go on unpaved, rocky paths to climb up into the Himalayan hills in order to minister and reach people for Christ, God's paved the street for me. He's paved the sidewalks for me. And yet... In spite of all that, there's a hesitancy to embrace this mission that God has given us. Do you know what our mission is? We, we wrote it like this for Grace Fellowship. Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I want us to hear, church, this morning is that God has paved the road for that to happen. God has been setting the table for us to fulfill this mission. And the question I have for us this morning as a church is very simple. Will it simply be words on a screen or words on a piece of paper? Or will it be a mission that we embrace? Throw ourselves into using all the privileges and rights and open doors that God has given us to be a people who bring glory to God by bringing people to Jesus. This week, I, I got a new delivery of ping pong balls. And it's not because I play a lot of ping pong. It's because we have a display out here with colorful ping pong balls representing us trying to fulfill this mission. The white ones representing the people for whom we're praying to come to know Jesus. Not because they've got physical maladies, they may have those. Not because they've got financial struggles, they may have those. But because they don't know Jesus. And each of those white ping pong balls out there, as you see, represent that bought a new load of white ping pong balls thank you for praying for that many people the blue ones of course represent the people that we have invited to come and connect here at grace and and i am grateful that that we have people who are doing that they're actively inviting and engaging people to come and connect in worship and in small group and in activities of the church that's an awesome thing that's what each of those blue 
ping pong balls are for and the gold ones and admittedly there are few gold fewer gold than white or blue but the gold ones are those balls that represent every opportunity that we've had in order to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone not necessarily that they came to faith but that we had the opportunity to share Jesus with them and I want to let you know that God has been setting the table has given us rights and privileges and opportunities and God's been working on God's been setting it up for this he's teed it up and the question is what will we do about it I tell people all the time if nothing changes nothing changes so for you this morning what needs to change Heavenly Father as we come to the end of this service as we've opened your word we we just see a, a snapshot of something that happened in the life of this this man Paul and we see father that you put him in a place and put him in a time and gave him an opportunity that was that was unique but it wasn't accidental for God you had him just where you wanted him to be with just the right experiences in his life to not only spare himself being beaten nearly to death but to actually begin to move him from where he was that day to where you wanted him to be to fulfill your mission and purpose for his life and God we acknowledge before you today that you have a mission and a purpose for our lives you've opened doors for us you paved the way for us and Lord we acknowledge before you today we confess before you today that we have not been faithful to walk that road you've made for us and to seize those opportunities you brought to us but we want today to be different we want today to be a day of commitment a day of decision a day Lord when we say whatever it is that you have for us whatever this mission you have in our life is God I am embracing this mission with my whole heart I will give it my energy I will glorify you God by inviting people to experience a life-changing relationship with your son Jesus and so Lord I pray for those of us who are struggling with that today that you would bring the conviction not not me but that you would convict hearts and change minds that you would move us from where we are today to where you want us to be and Lord I pray for those who may not have that relationship with Jesus Lord if you are convicting them today if you're drawing them today my my heart's prayer is that they would hear and respond Lord whatever it is that you're leading us to do to embrace Christ as Savior 
to connect with his church or to simply surrender completely to you. Whatever it is, Lord, our answer is yes. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. As we sing our final song this morning, it's an opportunity for you to respond. And I invite you to respond to whatever God has put on your heart. Would you stand with us as we sing together?